become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 21 of Macabre Misfortunes. Hi guys. So Tracy, it's rare that I find a haunted location that I have a hard time finding when the location was actually built. Oh, well that is strange. But this is the case with the Haught Mansion. That's H-A-U-G-H-T in Michigan. I found a lot of info on the tragic history but not tons on the actual construction and such. So I had to keep digging and keep digging. I had a hard time. I even had a hard time finding the actual city that it was in for a while. No kidding. Yeah. But turns out I found all that out. Well, there you go. So here's the thing. This, this show is going to be a little different, this episode. Normally, we've been covering um, sometimes some tragedies. Some tragedies that have hauntings. And then other times, um, it's just been tragic situations like the collapse of the building in yeah. Bangladesh and such. This is going to be a different kind of story because the tragedy that happened is very vague and it's in dispute if it ever happened at all. So the real tragedy is... Are there stories being made up about certain places that could taint the history of a historic place that otherwise should not have a bad history? Well, I mean, I guess those things can happen. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So it will be a little bit different type story. Mm -hmm. And it probably doesn't even fit with macabre misfortunes. But I found the story and... I thought it was going to fit, and then the more I dug into it, I found out that, ooh, maybe. But I thought it would be a cool story to do anyway. Sounds good, babe. So, anyways. I told you I had a hard time finding the city and all that stuff. That was actually a little easier than what I thought it was going to be. But it, it was hard finding research on this. And mm -hmm. I think when it's all said and done, I think that'll kind of come into play. And I'll explain more as we get into it. The city that this happened in was in Brush Park, Michigan. Brush Park. Which okay. is actually a suburb of Detroit. Oh, okay. So, turns out it's in a pretty big city. Yeah, for <laughs> real. I told you I couldn't find an exact year that this thing was constructed. There are some good guesses that, based on the architecture in that area, that it was probably built in the 1870s or the 1880s. This place has been abandoned for decades now. As a matter of fact, the back half of the building is literally collapsed and looks like it's a building in a war zone. If you look at it from the front, it looks fine. But if you look at it at the back, it's like walls that have fallen down. You can you can see the floors because there's no outer wall. And I still don't understand why people let that stand for all those years. I mean, it would seem like it would just be so dangerous. Well, I'm sure it is. And, and you could... I think there's... 
we'll see as we get in here. There's been some efforts to try to take care of that. Oh, maybe to what, restore but, it a well, little but bit. What happens is, in a lot of these cases, you'll have the city that wants to tear them down. Mm-hmm. But then you'll have somebody from a historical society say, oh, it's historic. We can't tear it down. But, and yeah. it gets tied up in courts forever. Yeah. And that's so that's, a, that's, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. Even though it can be um, dangerous. It gets tied up in court, so you can't touch it. So I think that's what happens, and I think that's probably what happened here. Most of the history known about this place starts around 1941. The building, supposedly, and I say that loosely, was used as an upscale brothel to serve a certain men who were in search of, you know, companionship. Mm-hmm. The legend here, and keep in mind, some of this is disputed, the legend is that a few years after the mansion was used as a brothel, there was a gruesome discovery made in the building. According to research done by Seth Lawless, and let me just say, first of all, Seth Lawless is a photographer and an author, and he wrote a book called 13, An American Horror Story. This is a coffee table book, lots of, lots of great photographs and back history of houses that all had some kind of tragic history to them. So mm-hmm. all 13 houses had tragic history. All 13? Yeah. Oh. All 13 that he did this book on. Oh, dang. In the research that he did, he says that years after it was time in a brothel, several dead bodies were discovered in the home's cellar. But there was something unusual about these bodies. Besides the fact that, you know, there's dead bodies found in the cellar. That's bad. Enough, as it yeah. Is. Each body had been marked by a perfect circle on the torso and the chests. No way. Like some kind of an occult or something? That's what it looked like. So obviously this brought up the question if these killings were some type of ritual or occult killings, like you were saying. Even more, who could have done this and were they still on the loose? Now, I told you that at the very beginning that some of this is in dispute. Other than Seth Lawless's accounts, the building and its history, not too many facts are actually available. And I can vouch for that because I couldn't find hardly anything on it. So on you myself. don't know if it was like all men or women no, or like nothing like that? Now, Seth does have a knack for getting into these old structures and stuff like that and collecting intriguing stories that's how he makes a living the huffington post even called him the master of the abandoned wow what a title the question though is is this story true or is it just an urban legend everybody loves a good story we can all agree on that and some people think that that's all this is it's just a story there's actually a website called, I don't know if it's called Nailed or Nailhead, but it's N-A-I-L-H-E-D. They say they believe that this story is a complete hoax. Really? Yeah, and a matter of fact, the, the gentleman who wrote the article, and I couldn't find his name anywhere on the article. It just had the website. He was pretty relentless in the fact that all this was BS. And he kind of really took shots at Seth Lawless for the way he approached this. Mm-hmm. So he believes that Seth Lawless made up the entire story just for the sole purpose to profit off of his book. So is he, is he basing that on 
nothing coming up from police reports or things like that? Yes. And I'm, I'll get a little more into that here in a second. The website also suggests that newspaper, newspaper journalists are also too lazy to research these events, so they just run with the story as fact. So they say, hey, Seth Lawless put out this book. It says this. So it's true. So it's true, and they just go with it mm-hmm. without checking it to verify it. And that frustrates him. Yes. They said that their whole purpose for writing this article about the hot matching was to restore the home's rightful reputation in history. They also said that it's one thing to celebrate an urban legend. But that's not what this was. This was not an urban legend. It was an outright lie. Yeah, they did not think fondly of Mr. Lawless's books and story. The author of the story said that in a space of one hour, he was able to research and type out as a complete history of that house as anyone could hope for. And he found out that at the home at one point was owned by a highly respected businessman in the Detroit area by the name of Henry Glover. Mr. Glover did die in the home on July 7, 1892. Mm-hmm. So we at least know that the time frame from the house being built was probably right. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this guy built it and he died in 1892, so it probably was built in the 1870s or 80s. Now, I do know that in 2007, the home was bought by the Brush Park Conservatory of Music and Fine Arts. And a plan was to restore it, like we were talking about. But apparently, these plans kind of fizzled out shortly after. In 2013, the house was put on the city demolition list. So, yeah, that should have been torn down. But the Detroit Historical District Commission apparently had a hearing on uh, the transfer of the property to them in 2015. And from that, I don't know what's happened. Mm-hmm. So you can see why it takes so long to get something torn down. Gosh, I know it surely shouldn't seem like it should take that long. And for what it's worth, the Brush Park Preservation Society have said in, on their Facebook page that there were never any bodies found in the house nor any truth to the story about the be- the building being used as a brothel. So what we have, it looks like what we have, is Seth Lawless writes the book. He writes this backstory that nobody else can co- co- corroborate. Mm-hmm. And people who felt like that that was wrong, especially people who knew this house, said, you know what? I know it's just a stupid house. But the house has a history of its own that's pretty cool. Right, so they don't want them to... And it doesn't need to be tarnished. Yeah, exactly. Or tainted by lies. And this this guy's flatline, he made up this entire story. None of this has ever happened. It was not an urban legend. It wasn't something people talked about. He just flat made it up because he couldn't find anything interesting. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I'm sure the police were aggravated because it's like, okay, you say there's 13 bodies that were in the house, yet... People are probably like, okay, why haven't the police figured out, you know, what's going on or have a lead on anything? So that's kind of making them look bad. Well, I mean, but you're talking about something that supposedly happened in the, probably the late 40s, early 50s. Yeah, well, that's true. Because the, the when he said it was a brothel, that was in the 40s. And he said it was just a few years afterwards. Okay. Well, I mean, at least he, I guess he figured if he's going to make up one, he's going to make it good, I reckon. I guess, but... But I understand how they're frustrated because that gives, you know, that gives that place a whole bad name. Right. And I didn't see the, I didn't see 
the article in the book to see all the details. The only thing that I saw anywhere, and I did a lot of research to try to find out more on this. The only thing that I saw was three or four articles that all pointed to his book and what it said about the bodies being found in a circle, but there weren't any more details in that. There was no year listed. There was actually what I just said was all there was. There mm-hmm. was no more details than bodies found and the circles, and that was it. So do you think that's the reason there that, that was held up in court all those years about restoring it or taking no, it down because of the bad no, no, I don't think it had anything. I think it just takes forever to get. You got one one group that wants to do something, okay, and they gosh, don't have the money to the, fix it. Okay, but seriously, how can, how can that go on that long? How I mean, it, it's been like decades. Well, because it didn't really start. Until like 2007 is when all the stuff kind of started. Oh, 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 oh. I thought it was like back in the 40s or 50s No, or the one group, oh, it's been abandoned for, I think, 20 years. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, but that's still was, a long there, time. But 2007 is when the one group bought it and was going to restore it. And then that didn't happen. 2013 was when it was on the demolition list. And in 2015 is when the new group had some meetings about it. So Okay, so we still don't know what the... I didn't see anything that showed anything more recent than 2015. Huh. Maybe somebody out there would know. That would be interesting to find out. Yeah, Danielle, you live in Detroit. Tell yeah, us about Danielle. This. Come on, girlfriend. You can tell us about this. <laughs> yeah, I would like to know, definitely. But, yeah, the, the place looked pretty cool from the front. And like I said, the guy in the article that I was telling you about that was refuting all this he actually went, he listed a lot of facts about the house, mm-hmm. the actual facts that he found all online. Yeah. So he was like, I didn't even have to go to archives or records. This is what I found in an hour just online. He found out who owned it, what happened to that guy, what he did for a business in town and all that stuff. Wow. So, yeah. So he was like, if I can find all this in an hour and type it all out yes, in an hour. definitely. Without even going to archives. Yeah. You know, you could have found all this out. Well, they definitely need to do something with it for sure. But he is right. You know, and and I say this about journalists in general, not all. But, you know, it used to be journalists would not run something until they had at least two sources to back it up. Yeah, because, I mean, I know you're allowed to write what you want. Couldn't you get in trouble for that? Well, I mean, like I said, journalists used to have to have two sources or they were scared to death to write something because they wanted to make sure it was fact. It was never... You know, you had some opinion pieces, like you would have a editorial that was your opinion, but it was like to, to run a full story on something, Right. they wanted it to be facts. But now it's like, I just saw on ESPN the other night ran a story that they said, uh, John Morant, who uh, played here in Kentucky College, that he said this about Michael Jordan. He said that, and they ran a whole story on it and come to find out he didn't say anything like that. Oh, dang. But that's twice that they've had to issue an apology in the last year or so for saying something happened that didn't happen. Yeah. Because people just, that now they just, now journalists just want to be the first to report something. Well, no. And they don't bother verifying me. facts yeah, or so any of that stuff. So now it's just a race rather yeah. than being accurate. So. And that's, that's very shameful. So anyways, this guy, I, I hope the story was... Okay, like I said, it wouldn't uh, didn't have any hauntings to it, and it didn't have um, maybe not even a true story to it. But the real tragedy, well, the, the real tragedy, was just the fact that this house has had its reputation stripped for no yeah. reason other than the profit. Yeah, that's not cool. So, all right, Tracy, are you ready for your creepy fact this week? Yeah, bring it. I don't think you're gonna like this one. Oh no! Dang it! Over fifty percent of commercial airline pilots have admitted to falling asleep while flying a plane. 
You know what? For some reason, that really doesn't surprise me because I guess they probably figured, well, hell, I got an own autopilot, so. Yeah. And there's somebody else sitting in the other seat beside me. You know, I'm sure that is exhausting. I mean, if you have if you do it enough times during the day, but yeah, I don't want to think about that. So. Well, there you go. Mine better be popping when we take our cruise. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So, anyways, that wraps it up, guys. I hope you enjoyed this, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Love ya.